It's time for the Crunch Time Plays podcast, where we talk all things sports from the collegiate level all the way up to the pros. And now, here's your host, Bennett Ganey. What's up, y'all? Liv Moose here. Hey, what's up? This is Danny Wexelman. Hey, everyone. I'm Steffi Smalls. What's up, everyone? It's Ben Lindsay. This is Andrea Carter. Hey there, it's Brooks Austin. And you are watching and listening to Crunch Time Plays. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Crunch Time Plays today. Thank you so much for joining us, however you're listening or watching, wherever you're watching and listening. Thanks so much for joining. And we're heading towards SEC Media Days here in a couple weeks, getting ramped up for the college football season. And we touched on a couple of the the usual suspects for the college football playoff every year. But but today we're hitting another one, and it's one that everybody knows well, and it's Alabama. And we've got Rodney Orr from TiderInsider.com with us today. And, Rodney, it's awesome to have you. What's up? Hey, I appreciate you having me. Um, hey, so I do. Look forward to it. Hey, you're you're welcome, and and hope you had a hope you had a great uh, July Fourth weekend. I know we're just coming off of that, so hope that went well for you. It went extremely well. Always glad, and uh, you know when you see July Fourth, and and once it's in the rearview mirror, you know that fall camp, August camp is just around the corner. And you mentioned SEC Media Days. Obviously, that's even closer uh, to where we are now, and so uh, look forward to that. And then before you know it, uh, the season will be kicking off. That's definitely true. It is interesting that you brought that up. I was thinking about that uh, over the weekend. Like, man, we're only only a month away from from players reporting and getting uh, fall camp underway, and just a couple months away from the season. Yeah, you know, again, it's a it's a year round process now, as you know. Uh, once the season ends, they go into their winter workouts, and then it's spring practice. And then after spring practice, the players usually get a month off for their bodies to recover, and then, you know, here we are. We they start in June uh, with uh, the summer program. And then, uh, as we mentioned, SEC Media Days gets here, and then August camp starts, and there's 29 practices in August. So, um, you know, it's uh, before you know it, it'll be game week, and Nick Saban will be handing out that first depth chart for the Miami game, and the ball will be on the tee. Yeah, there's no doubt about that. And it's especially uh, wrapped up this year with, with the recruiting opening back up. Uh, in June for that month period, and then and all the the name, image, and likeness stuff, expansion of the college football playoff going around. We definitely did not have an off season this year. <laughs> yeah, it's a little bit different, obviously, this year. Again, you mentioned the recruiting dead period that began last March uh, when the pandemic uh, kind of started, uh, and then for but 15, 16 months, no prospects could take visits of any kind to schools that certainly not where they had in-person contact with any staff or personnel they could uh, were free to go and you know on their own and kind of lurk around the the, the campus and what have you but uh no no real recruiting visits opportunities for in-face evaluations or in-person evaluations in-face community uh direct face-to-face communication those types of things so uh, June was kind of a wild month, uh, but uh, now I think if you're talking about strictly recruiting, a lot of these coaching staffs, and uh, certainly Alabama's, uh, will sit back now and start redefining their recruiting boards based on some of the evaluations and the in-person communication that they had. So uh, then you move into the fall evaluation opportunities that they, they take advantage of. 
Well, before before I get into the, I wanted to get into the to the commits that Alabama already does have here in this 2022 class. But but for this year specifically, it seemed like a lot of a lot of coaching staffs were there the first time being able to evaluate these players in camp or being able to see them face to face on a visit. It's maybe you had some of those guys that like, oh, he's not a not as big as we think he is, not as not as as free moving as as we thought he was just based on our film evaluation and the face to face. Was there any uh, prospects that that Alabama had in June that came through the facility that did they kind of pump the brakes on a little bit? And and how common do you think that was among coaching staffs uh, in the month of June? Well, I, I think it's always, uh, you know, you, you get those in-face evaluations and, you know, maybe you, that changes some things one way or the other for some prospects. Just to give you an example, kid from uh, Lakeland, Florida, Clearwater, uh, Florida, uh, Lakeland High School, Lakewood High School, um, Anari uh, Nyblack, an, a tight end slash athlete type that could play multiple positions. He, uh, he came in and just put on a show for, for right in front of Nick Saban and got an offer immediately and then uh, committed to Alabama a few days later. Uh, so, you know, it, it's kind of a deal that could go either way in terms of the valuations, but I don't think they necessarily look at a guy and, and eliminate uh, a prospect uh, maybe on that first in-person evaluation. They'll continue to uh, then the rankings or the board may change a little bit. The priorities may change a little bit at each position. Uh, but I think that they'll continue to evaluate most of the guys that are um, have been on their board. They'll continue to evaluate them into the fall. What a, since there, there were a couple of a lot of new faces on, on this coaching staff or that this recruiting cycle here, closing out the 2021 class into the 2022 class, specifically on the the offensive side of the ball, Bill O'Brien comes over to be the offensive coordinator, and then Doug Marone comes over as well. Both of those guys have previous head coaching college experience. Bill O'Brien, of course, led the the Penn State a brigade after after the sanctions were were made. Just did a, a really nice job there. And then Doug Marone, of course, has some some college experience being the head coach at Syracuse. What kind of kind of feedback did you get um, from around? the new guys on the staff and how they're adjusting to, to being able to get back into college recruiting again from the NFL? Well, I think, first of all, their reputations are going to be their big, uh, uh, you know, big opportunity provides them a great opportunity to build these relationships very quickly uh, because of, you know, you look, you, those are two former, a year ago this time, they were, they were head coaches in the NFL. That certainly catches prospects attention uh there's no question about that then you look at the track record i think Bill O'Brien's very successful obviously uh all the years that he spent with tom brady the new england patriots under bill belichick then he goes to penn state as a head coach and and wins the bear Bryant award as outstanding uh, college football coach i think it was in 2012 if i'm not mistaken yeah, he took a program there at penn state over that was in shambles and then he goes to uh to the Texans and did a nice job that they, they won a lot of games. They won some titles some division titles and all of those things. So uh, he's got success. I mean, he's developed quarterbacks, he's worked with some of the best quarterbacks, where's Tom Brady, Deshaun Watson. Uh, he, he's got a proven track record. I think Doug Marone, same thing. One of the 
premier offensive line coaches in, in college football, even though uh, he's been out of it for a while. But he was certainly very, very good when he was at Georgia, when he was at Tennessee. He's an outstanding recruiter, very likable guy. So I think all of those things contribute to the success that, that these guys are going to have uh, and that they've had already in terms of building relationships with some of these prospects and, uh, you know, maybe, maybe putting Alabama in a position to uh, uh, be successful uh, with those guys. Yeah, that's, that, that's definitely true. Both of those guys come from, from really great backgrounds and, and can connect with those with those guys. And, and it's, it's, it's really hard to, you know, it's really, really hard not to, not to be able to, to sell Alabama, especially with the, with the track record that Nick Saban has built up uh, over the years. And, and, but, you know, adding those two guys, it really ties together the, the history of, of Alabama the past few years and also being able to, to provide that NFL experience on the staff to be able to, to tell these kids that they're going to, you know, have a shot to get to the NFL if they come to Alabama. Oh, absolutely. I think, you know, first of all, uh, the, the track record is there, the success that Alabama's had, Nick Saban. Uh, I think right now if you're a prospect and you get offered by Alabama and they really recruit you hard, you get an idea. You, there, there's no question that you have the impression, you have the feeling that, listen, uh, I can go there. Uh, I, I can be successful. I can be developed. The track record speaks for itself, all those things. And then you look at the coaching staff that they have, even though there's been turnover, there's always turnover. And Nick Saban's going to bring in top-notch assistant coaches. And like I said, Bill O'Brien, Doug Marone. I mean, you look at the running back uh, with, the, with Charles Huff going to um, Marshall as their head coach. Robert Gillespie, one of the top running back coaches in the country, outstanding recruiter. Um, so Jay Valai on the defensive side, he was actually the only new assistant on that side of the ball. Carl Scott leaving for the NFL, Jay Valai, great uh, reputation as a recruiter, a lot of strong contacts in Texas, a uh, guy that, uh, you know, has the, a good track record as a, as a cornerback coach. So all those things. And uh, so, again, I, I think that when it comes to development, I, I, you know, again, I, I think most all of these prospects are aware that Alabama is second to none. There's no, there's no doubt about that. And, and I wanted to hit on a couple of the prospects that, that Alabama already has uh, in the boat here for the 2022 class and start. Everybody wants to talk about the quarterback positions. I want to hit on Ty Simpson with you from Westview there in Martin, Tennessee, that they committed back in February, the five-star quarterback. How, how do you evaluate uh, his game, he seems like a guy that, from when you turn on the tape, he's very elusive in the pocket. See, his, his offensive line uh, last year wasn't wasn't very good there at high school. It seemed like he had to to be evasive in the pocket a lot. A guy that could really uh, get outside the pocket and make those throws down the field. And he also can rip it from in the pocket as well. He's got great pocket awareness. How how's your evaluation of Ty Simpson and and what Alabama could be getting there? I remember, I think it was probably close to a year ago, I actually had someone call me and say, hey, this kid in Tennessee, what's Alabama's chances? And again, I'd heard of Ty Simpson, but, you know, when you're talking a year in advance, sometimes it's difficult to really know uh, that much about a kid. And, uh, you know, this caller said, listen, this guy is the next Aaron Rodgers. So I started looking into him a little bit more. And yeah, you see all those similarities. I mean, he's got the mobility, uh, very athletic, uh, 
guy that's smart. He's a coach's son. He's been around the game all his life. It's second nature to him. I, I really like Ty Simpson. I think he has a right attitude. I think he's a coach on the field. I think he's a guy with a very strong arm. He can throw the ball from different angles, as they say now. You know, you can, he can run to his right and throw, throw across his body. He can run to his left and hit a guy down the field 50 yards in stride. He's got a ton of tools, and I think he's got the right mindset. So I look at Ty Simpson, and, you know, I, I say he's, he's a definite five-star player. I know they had the Elite 11. Went out there. I guess he finished, you know, again, however they ranked them, whatever, uh, you know, one of the top five, six, seven guys in that uh, group that they had. But, you know, that's not real. Uh, you know, I think there's a lot of things that are valuable there, but I, it's not real football. It's what do you do when you've got 11 on 11, everybody's got pads on, how do you respond, uh, how quickly do you make decisions? Uh, you know, it's, it's, it's pretty easy to sit out there when you don't have anything coming at you but the wind. Uh, so um, I, I just think that when you look at Ty Simpson, when, when the pads are on, uh, he, he is a guy that I think uh, it, it will respond really, really well. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's funny you mentioned that. I'm not, I'm not really a guy that, that puts a lot of stock into, into the Elite 11 camps or, or anything like that. I, you know, just prefer to, to turn on the game tape and see how they are uh, on the field. But, but when you look at the rest of the, the offensive players uh, in this class, you got a couple of running backs, a five-star Emmanuel Henderson, and then Le'Veon Moss as well from Baton Rouge. It's a four-star. And then you've got some guys – uh, down here on the offensive side of the ball, Elijah Brown, and, and you touched on Amari Nyblack earlier that really, really stood out in camp. But who are a couple of those guys that that you're really excited about? And and a lot of people uh, talk about recruiting, you know, two running backs in a class. I think it's, it just shows the the masterfulness of Nick Saban that he's able to to manage a roster the way that he is. Because now with the lifespan of running backs, you got to have three or four to be able to contribute in any given season. Yeah, I mean, again, I, I think he always puts an emphasis on having a depth at running back because you can run out of those guys very quickly. Uh, you know, I remember one year they had uh, uh, T.J. Yeldon, Kenyon Drake, Derrick Henry, Alti Tenpenny, Alvin Kamara, uh, Tyron Jones, uh, D. Hart. <laughs> I mean, they had a list of almost a who's who list of running backs and you know, at one point, people were saying, well, we're overloaded with running backs at Alabama. And then all of a sudden, uh, you don't have all those guys, you know, injuries, transferred out, all these different things. So I think it's very important to make sure you keep your running back room full and with quality players. And I think if you look at what Alabama's running back room is right now. Obviously, they lost uh, Keelan Robinson, who transferred out to Texas, but uh, you know, it's a really strong group right now. They're bringing in, you mentioned Emmanuel Henderson, who's a very versatile player, kind of in that Kenyon Drake mold, could play a lot of different roles, actually. He's even a guy that could be a quality safety, in my opinion. But uh, so he's a guy that uh, brings a, a different look. And then Le'Veon Moss, people have compared him to T.J. Yeldon. Uh, so, uh, you know, again, I, I just think that Nick Saban always wants to make sure he has a stable of quality running backs. And kind of when we're talking about moving over uh, to the defensive side of the ball, a couple of the couple of the really uh, commits that really stand out to you. You got you got Robert Woodyard, the, the linebacker, and Jaheim Otis, defensive lineman, 
Walter Bobson, also defensive lineman there from Louisiana. And then Antonio Kite that just committed uh, over the weekend. A lot, of people, a lot of staffs have been recruiting him in the secondary. Just what do you make of, of – first of all, what do you make of Antonio Kite's uh, commitment there? What, what kind of player is he? And then a couple of other those guys that, that I mentioned that you're excited about uh, Alabama bringing in in 2022. Well, I think Kite is a very, uh, you know, outstanding athlete. Clearly, he's he's a. It's incredible watching him on the basketball court. His his explosiveness, his, his jumping ability, his leaping ability is, is tremendous. I mean, it's a, it's pretty amazing watching him do some of the things he does. So he's a great athlete. I mean, he has all the raw skills and, and tools to be developed. And again, Alabama does a great job of taking those tools and developing really good football players. Obviously. So I think he has all of those things, uh, you know, and again, you mentioned Walter Bob as a guy in Louisiana, maybe a little underrated or under the radar type guy, but uh, you know, we'll see how he, uh, he's got a lot of versatility he can play on the defensive line. He can play tight end, uh, but he's a really good player. Um, you know, we'll see what kind of senior season he has. And then also Jaheim Otis is a massive defensive lineman from the state of Mississippi uh, who, I'm telling you, if this guy can get his weight down, I think he's got a chance to be a more dominant defensive lineman in this class. I'm talking about in the country. Uh, again, I think it all comes down for him to his conditioning, his weight. He's probably a guy that's 350, 360 right now. But if he gets himself in, in good shape, tip-top shape, and listen, you know that here at Alabama, they'll, they'll help him do that as well as anyone. If he can play at 325, I think he's a five-star talent with his ability to move and all of those things. He could be a dominant interior defensive lineman. And uh, so, again, I, I think potentially Jaheim Otis is a great player. Whenever we're, we're talking about uh, these recruiting rankings, of course, guys, they haven't been able to, to see these guys uh, really evaluate them. Uh, in person and on, and on tape in a while. Are there a couple of guys that, that Alabama has committed right now that you think a couple of those three stars that could move up to a four or, or like you talked about Jaheim Otis being a, being a four-star guy has the potential to move up to a five. Are there anybody in Alabama's class right now that you can see getting a, a little bit of a bump when, when the evaluations do start back with their high school seasons here in the fall? Well, yeah, I think uh, the two tight ends, Amari Nyblack, who's rated, what, a three-star by most people, I guess. Yep. I think he's going to be a, a strong four-star player before it's all said and done. I think uh, Elijah Brown, committed out of Ohio. He's another guy that I think his stock is going to rise as well. Uh, so those are two guys that I really, really like in terms of their potential for their stock to rise. I think Antonio Kite, you know, he's a four-star. He, he certainly could move up some in the rankings. I don't know necessarily he'll be a five-star, but he could move up, uh, you know, in terms of this uh, position as a four-star. So, you know, we'll see. I mean, again, there's – there's uh, the evaluations this year are going to be a little bit different, the rankings and all of those things, because of the what we've gone through the last, you know, year and a half or so. Uh, so I, I just think that – Everything's kind of in a flux, state of flux, uh, where it could change, uh, you know, over the course of time. That's definitely true. Definitely 
definitely everything's really fluid right now in terms of the evaluations and rankings. And, and before we, we move on to this year's a season on the football field, I did want to touch on a few of the few of the targets that, that Alabama still has left out there uh, in recruiting. I wanted to ask you about a, a few of these, a few of those guys, specifically um, Traquan Fagans. I know they just took took Antonio Kite over the weekend. And Fagans has some some interest from from South Carolina and, and Miami as well. Now that now that they have Antonio Kite, are they gonna still go hard on on Traquan Fagans also from Alabama? And then just to to round it out, who are some of the other uh, top targets that Alabama has for this class uh, that are still not yet uh, committed? Well, I, I think you know Fagans obviously a, a corner prospect. He's he's got a lot of great length in terms of his arm length and you know his size so i think he's a guy that certainly is 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 one to watch he transferred to thompson high school obviously so i think he's got a chance to be really good but they're in on a lot of top corners you know damani jackson is committed to usc five-star player that uh you know was really impressed when he came in on a visit he's a guy that maybe later in the recruiting process could be a a a flip candidate uh for alabama then you've got Denver Harris out of Galena Park, North Shore. He's a five-star cornerback that Alabama's involved very heavily with Texas, Texas A&M, and I think Alabama's in position there. I think also uh, um, Earl Little, tremendous prospect, uh, cornerback out of Plantation American Heritage, the same high school that produced uh, Patrick Sertain to Alabama. He's a tremendous corner prospect, ready to four-star. He's a guy that I'd keep a close eye on. Monty Jackson, a five-star corner out of uh, Santa Ana Modern Day High School in California, same high school Bryce Young uh, came from. He's a guy that's committed to USC, but Alabama's very strongly in the mix with him as well. We'll see what happens later on in the recruiting process. You know, uh, 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 Anae White uh, is a pass rusher deluxe out of Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Kind of reminds you a little bit of uh, – Will Anderson, his long, lean kid, guy's about 6'4", 230, Alabama, Georgia, Ohio State, probably his top three. I think Alabama's probably in really good shape with him. Uh, Jeremiah Alexander, the number one prospect in the state of Alabama, outside linebacker, guy's a good pass rusher, uh, five-star rated player. He'll announce on Thursday between Alabama and Clemson. And again, I'm not making a prediction right now, but I, I, I have heard some really good things from multiple sources on Alabama's position here. So we'll see how it unfolds, but I'll say this, Clemson's done a really, really good job of recruiting him. And uh, Todd Bates, defensive line coach, formerly an Alabama player, as you know, uh, has done a really good job for Dabo Sweeney and Clemson in recruiting uh, Jeremiah Alexander. On the offensive side, they're in on several top receivers around the country. Uh, they're in on, you know, several outstanding offensive lines. Zach Rice, the number one offensive tackle in the country out of uh, Lynchburg, Virginia. Um, Jake Taylor, a, a tremendous offensive tackle prospect, may end up the number one offensive tackle in the country out of Las Vegas, Nevada. Um, Tyler Booker, tremendous player, played with J.C. Latham at IMG Academy last year. Uh, is it, it, to me, Booker is going to be a he's a five star talent. Um, so those are some outstanding offensive linemen. There are several others, Elijah Pritchett, um, you know, among others, who's from Columbus, Georgia. Uh, he's one to keep an eye on. 
Dane Shore out of the state of Georgia is probably going to be an interior player, I would think, out of the state of Georgia. He'll announce later this month. Um, so you kind of get the drift. They're in on just about every position of need uh, with some of the highest quality of prospects there there is in this class. That's definitely true. And, and when you're talking about Alabama and, and Clemson, they both do an outstanding job. They can afford to, to be selective as to, to who they're going after and who they want to target. But, but we're here with Rodney Orr from TighterInsider.com. And, and Rodney, I wanted to switch uh, to the, this year specifically on the football field. And, and we talk about Bryce Young. And he's, he's one of the unproven guys. There's a, not much talk about a lot of the – a lot of the turnover that there is in the SEC this year and relates to, to quarterbacks, but there certainly is a lot of that. There's only a few returning starters in the SEC, definitely expecting a, a Wild West uh, kind of effect there. But but what do you see from, from Bryce Young, and, and does the offense uh, change a little bit uh, with him uh, in relation to, to Mac Jones? You know, Bryce Young definitely has a lot of running ability, can run some zone reads, some RPOs with him. But I don't know if they're I don't know if they're gonna tax him much in the run game. Just just what do you see from him and, and how does the offense change now that he's the quarterback? So I think if you look at Bryce Young, I, I think he's a guy that he can do everything that they've done with Tua and with Mac Jones over the last couple of years. Uh, you know, I thought Tua had a lightning quick release and he really did, but I'm telling you, Bryce Young probably has his pieces in guy I've seen, certainly at Alabama. I mean, he's got a snap release. He's got a strong arm. He's a guy that's uh, really smart. He catches on quickly. Uh, I, I just think it's a matter of Bryce Young getting experience, getting a feel for what it's like in, in game day, in the game situations, all of those things, managing the offense, uh, making decisions, all of those things. And he's going to be a really good decision maker because he is smart. He does make quick choices and decisions. He knows what he's doing, uh, meaning that he has a good feel from his experience as a passer. I mean, he's a guy that's been doing a lot of these things ever since he was, you know, sixth or seventh grade. It's amazing, you know, how early they start now. But so I think he's got a good comfort level. I just think it's a matter of the experience, getting a, you know, the, the speed of the game. Uh, so I think as, as he can, as he gets reps, as he gets game reps, I think Bryce Young's got a chance to be really, really good. I think the key is, you know, you want to keep him healthy. And he's not the biggest guy in the world. He may be six feet at the most, uh, you know, 195 pounds. So, but he, but now the one thing he does have is is elusiveness. Extremely quick. Uh, you know, again, he can make guys miss. He can keep plays alive. Uh, you know, you just don't want him taking, you know, a lot of <laughs> hits because he is not the biggest guy you know, the, that you've seen there at the quarterback position. So I just think protecting him physically is is maybe the biggest key of all. Yeah, I mean, I, I definitely agree with that. You don't don't want to don't want to run him too much and get him get him more opportunities to to take those hits and because you know, those defenses are going to be looking to to lay the lumber on him whenever they get a chance to. But but where does he where does he rank in terms of, of SEC quarterbacks? Uh, in your opinion, that we got a lot of great return we got some a couple of great returning starters in JT Daniels at Georgia Matt Corral at Ole Miss probably a couple of the top quarterbacks in the league this year where, where would you rank Bryce Young in in a list of of quarterbacks in the league heading into the season 
I just think a couple of things. Number one, potentially, he's probably as good as anybody in the SEC, but it's kind of hard to rank him right now because he he really doesn't have much game experience. He came in in mop-up situations last year. So I don't think it's, it's, it's very difficult for me to say, okay, this is where I think he is uh, because he just doesn't have any meaningful game reps in, in situations where you can make those kinds of evaluations. That's the thing that kind of stands out to me about him. I think in a way, if you're an Alabama fan, it's really exciting to see a young player you don't know much about, but you know he has this kind of potential to be really, really good. Just see how quickly he develops and, uh, you know, being able to watch him develop. I, I think this is something that's going to be one of the uh, storylines for, for Alabama this year, that you look at the offensive side of the ball. Obviously, they lost Mac Jones, but you lost so much leadership, so much talent, whether it's Devontae Smith. Of course, Jason Jalen Waddle missed a good part of the season last year, but still, you lost him. You lost some offensive linemen, Landon Dickerson, uh, Alex Leatherwood, both tremendous players. Um, obviously, Najee Harris. I mean, the list goes on and on. Those are the great players, but they also have a, had a tremendous amount of leadership and also, ex obviously, experience. Those things are so valuable. So you've got so many different parts. It's not just Bryce Young. You know, you're plugging in a couple of new offensive linemen. I think they have a chance to be strong up front on the offensive line. Uh, but the receivers, John Mechie coming back, he should be fully healthy. That's going to be big. Slade Bolden's got experience. You've got a lot of really talented young players, I think, at that position uh, that, that have a chance now to kind of emerge, whether it's that group that included, uh, um, you know, a, a couple of guys from last year that came in, Javon Baker, Treshawn Holden. Uh, you've also got some guys that, that are true freshmen coming in that are going to be uh, uh, potential contributors, uh, Jai Hall, Ja'Cory Brooks, Christian Leary. Uh, then I think a guy to really watch out for is Jojo Earl. He's kind of got that Jalen Waddle uh, to him. And, and so I would keep an eye on him. Uh, but uh, again, a lot of young players, a lot of uh, guys that I think are going to have to develop very quickly. But, uh, you know, again, the talent's there. It's just the experience and the leadership that uh, it's going to be difficult to replace. Yeah, there's, there's no doubt. And I, I agree that, of course, Alabama picked up a, a really nice addition in the transfer portal there with, with Jamison Williams. How does he, how does he kind of fit in with the, with the, the Mechies, the Halls, the Boldens of the world? Yeah. And I'm glad you mentioned him, uh, how I missed him or didn't mention him. I don't know, but Jamison Williams brings another element. I mean, it's the speed. I mean, he's a 10, 400 meter guy. There's no question about that. And I think he's a guy that made some big plays for Ohio state last year. Uh, is, a, is their third receiver. Uh, he had a big 45-yard uh, touchdown reception in the playoff game against Clemson. He's been on the big stage. He knows what it is. He's, he's already got that experience. And then, you know, his ability with that speed. I think that's one thing Alabama needed was a guy like him that can totally stretch the field, and he can do that. So with his experience and his speed, the combination of those two things, I think he's going to be a guy that uh, when you look at Mechie, uh, Slade Bolden, Jamison Williams, Javon Baker, those guys probably maybe your top four. Ajay Hall certainly has an opportunity to be some of the other guys. But, you know, Joe Earl in the slot's got an opportunity to, uh, with his speed and his quickness, he's, like I said, he's a little bit like a swaddle-type player. So all of those guys, 
uh, I, I think have a chance to be really good. And like you said, Jamison Williams, the experience that he's got on this level and the speed that he brings is something that's going to allow him to really make a strong contribution, I think. Yeah, that's definitely true. And it just adds another guy that that can can take the top off off the defense, which I know is what, what Alabama wants to do now, what Nick Saban's adapted uh, so well to the changes in the offensive philosophies over the past few years. And and it just, just speaks to to just adding on to his legacy and how great of a coach he is. And then kind of moving over to the to the defensive side of the ball, just wanted to preview that uh, with you for a minute. Added added Henry Toa Toa in the transfer portal, which of course was was really big. It really strengthened uh, that linebacking group uh, for Alabama that can, can be a, one of the better ones. And and to me, I kind of look at it and say this is probably one of the better groups Pete Golding's gonna have gonna, gonna have uh, there at Alabama. When you think about you know the guys in the secondary, they're gonna be gonna be really good. It, and Alabama was was not it's kind of it's kind of difficult now with the change in offense of what are so many so many offenses putting up so many points a game it's kind of difficult to gauge uh, defenses these days but but does this does this defense have uh, the ability to be one of the better defenses in the game this year I think this year yeah it certainly does like you said things have changed the game has changed there's you're not going to hold people to seven points a game anymore and I know that's kind of difficult for Alabama fans to, to to handle but that's just kind of the way it is you're not going to shut people down and people not even cross midfield I mean you know that's just not going to happen uh, but yeah I think this this has a chance to be a really good defense by today's standards uh, you mentioned, I, I, look, I think they've got some really good guys up front. DJ Dell, I think Timothy Smith behind him is a guy that's really a quality starter type already as a sophomore. He's going to have a chance to be a difference maker. Justin Aboyby, Byron Young, um, you know, there's there's certainly others, uh, you know, up front. LeBron Ray is expected to be back. If he's fully healthy, ready to go, he could be a difference maker up front. Will Anderson outside. Uh, Chris Allen outside on the other side. Uh, you, you mentioned the inside backers, Henry Toa Toa. I think he's one of the better inside backers in the country that they got out of the portal. Uh, obviously, Christian Harris is as athletic probably as any inside backer in the country. Jalen Moody's another guy that's uh, competing inside that's a quality, pro, uh, quality player. Uh, so they've got a good defensive front, I think, at the corners. Josh Job going into his third year as a starter. Uh, he's got a chance to take that next step and really develop into an NFL uh, high round pick, I think. And then at the other side, who's going to win the other corner? Will it be Jalen Armour Davis, who had an outstanding spring? Highly touted freshman Jaquincy Kool-Aid McKinstry, who looked extremely good in the spring. He's got a chance to, to win that spot. I think another young corner that I like a lot is Marcus Banks out of Houston, Texas. I think he's a guy that's a good looking prospect uh, as well. At the, you know, at safety, you know, you've got a lot of really talented guys. Uh, Jordan Battle, obviously, a returning starter. DeMarco Hellams played a lot in their different packages. I think those two guys are outstanding. I think also when you look at the star position, you've got uh, Malachi Moore, who was injured late in the season. It was a freshman All-American, tremendous player. Uh, and then also Brian Branch, who started in the playoffs. I think he's a very gifted player. He's going to be a tremendous player, I think, over time. So uh, they've got a lot of 
uh, I, I think when you look at it, they've got a lot of the parts that, that when, frankly, when Golding came in a couple of years ago, they, they didn't have. So uh, I think this does have a chance to be an outstanding defense. I'm definitely, definitely looking forward to, to seeing Henry Toa how he fits in to the defense. And then, and then Jaquincy McKinstry had a really good, really, really nice uh, opinion of him uh, in the spring game. He seemed like a guy that really, really stepped up and, and we're going to really have a chance to, to get on the field a lot this year. And as long, as long as he doesn't, as long as he doesn't walk on the field, as long as he, he runs on the field to, to keep coach Saban happy. I know that was the, the video that kind of went viral there from the spring game. Uh, yeah. He, he got the message. This isn't Pinson Valley high school anymore. <laughs> no, he sure did. And, and he, there, there's not, there, there's not a guy that, that I would want to uh, get the message from because coach Saban's currently, certainly going to deliver that message that, that he doesn't want anybody to walk on the field and always give their best effort. But, but Rodney, the last thing for you, when you kind of look around uh, the West, you see, you see LSU, you see A&M, see Ole Miss. Of course, they're going to be going to have a scary offense this year with, with Matt Corral and, and him and, and Jeff Levy and Lane Kiffin have got a great rapport as head coach, offensive coordinator and quarterback, probably one of the best, probably one of the best ones uh, around the, world of college football this season but but when you look at the the rest of the west who do you think potentially some of those trap games Alabama could fall into uh this year and and do you think Alabama maybe maybe drops a game uh during the regular season this year whether it be at A&M or, or to LSU or Ole Miss Well, I think all those games you mentioned, I think, uh, you know, obviously it starts with Miami. I think Ole Miss is very um, talented offensively. Uh, so they're going to challenge the Alabama defense. We'll find out how good that Alabama defense is, won't we, against Matt Corral and Lane Kiffin and uh, the things they do offensively. So, um, yeah, that'll present a challenge. It's here in Tuscaloosa. I, I think the Florida game on the road is going to be a really big game because, it, first of all, I think, one on the road there at Gainesville in that atmosphere will be something that Bryce Young's never experienced. Uh, so how does he respond? Uh, you know, again, so I, I think that'll be a game that'll be very interesting to watch. And then, you know, obviously by the time you go to Texas A&M in, in October, uh, that's going to be a game that, uh, uh, listen, that's, they've had that one marked. Texas A&M has, it's their game. It's what they, they feel like that's the game that will determine if they take that next step this year. So, uh, you know, on the road there, that'll be another interesting uh, game. And then, you know, just the SEC in general, I think Arkansas has got a chance to be uh, much improved. They're going to be a team that has a tremendous offense. Um, so I think that's a team that's going to be really good and will probably pick up some wins this year, uh, maybe a couple of upsets or so. But, um, you know, again, you you got to go to Auburn. That's always difficult. So right now, let's see how the season once it gets started. But um, you know, it's going to be very competitive in the SEC. How to how to in talking to to some of the Alabama fans and and other people that they cover Alabama. How how do they how do they kind of feel about uh, the Brian Harson hire at Auburn and and what kind of potential that that he has to lead that program here in the next few years. Well, I think probably if you're, you know, the worst one to ask would be an Alabama fan on, on what they think of that, because 
Now, again, there's always so much bias and all of that, and it works both ways, as you know. Uh, but, you know, look, Brian Harson was a good coach. He's done a great job. He was at Boise. They did a tremendous job there. He inherited a good program up there. They've always been good. Chris Peterson, you know, had a great program there. So uh, Harson certainly, he's, he's been with some great coaches. He was at the University of Texas for a while, too, you know, as an assistant. So he's been around. Uh, I, I think maybe the most difficult thing or one of the more difficult things for him is just getting acclimated to the SEC, uh, what, what the expectations are at Auburn. Uh, being an outsider, I mean, that's always difficult, you know, I think coming into an Auburn or even in Alabama, whatever it is, uh, you know, it's, it's difficult from someone coming outside the region. And I know it's been a long time ago, but you take Mike Price, for example, totally out of his element at Alabama years ago. Uh, you know, that's just one example, but that, that happens. You know, I think Brian Harson's probably a, a really focused guy. And, uh, you know, well, it'll be interesting to see what he can do at Auburn. Yeah, there's no doubt about that. I really thought he was a really nice hire out of the box. Interested to see how he does uh, here, here in the South, especially of uh, things not kind of started off a little bit slow in recruiting, but that's to be expected uh, with a new staff, learning a new territory, especially with him coming coming from out West. And Ronnie, thanks so much for, for coming on today. You've been really busy covering all this the past, past few weeks, covering recruiting, definitely. Definitely have to get you back on again before the season to preview it, preview it more in depth with you. But but tell everybody where they can find you on social media and, and where they can find your content on Tighter Insider as well. Yeah, tighterinsider.com. It's only $48 a year. Get instant access with your credit card if you prefer. There's an address there to send a check, but that gives you all our premium information. We've got recruiting stuff on the front page. Uh, tonight. We do Tider Insider TV, which is our live TV show that goes throughout most of the state of Alabama. But if you don't get it, you can watch it there on the front page of Tider Insider TV. We post it about 830 after the show is over. Uh, so that's something you can watch for free. Uh, also, our all sports forum, which is a community of Alabama fans there. Uh, a lot of constant flow of information, exchange, opinions and all of that stuff. It never really ends on tighterinsider.com. Again, it's only $48 a year. Well, the, thanks so much, Ronnie. I really, really appreciate uh, your time today and coming on and definitely have to do it again soon. Stay safe and, and we'll talk to you soon. Okay. Hey, I appreciate it. You take Def Definitely. That's Rodney Orr from Tighter Insider. Thanks Here. so much to him for coming on today. And thank you for watching and listening to Crunch Time Plays today. Make sure you hit that subscribe button on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. It's been another edition of Crunch Time Plays going around the country, this time talking Alabama with Rodney Orr. God bless everybody.